0: So uh, I just dripped everywhere in my towel So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters Your one stop shop for news, views and overreactions To all things NFL We'll be having a look at the news from around the league Over the last couple of weeks And continuing our previews with the AFC East and the AFC North so hey, we've got Connor here, we've got Harry, Hey and we've got Ronan. Hello. All the way up in person this time, rather than through a tinny speaker.
1: Yeah, well, had to make it up for the Ultimate Fantasy Draft. Er, too early in the day, too early in the year. Uh, all my team will be injured by week one, but sure, that's the way it is,
0: huh? Yeah, it's uh, good fun. Good crack now. Uh, nursing some s- slightly sore heads around the table at the moment. <laughs> Harry is eyeing up where the bathroom is in case he needs to run for a quick chunder.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was... Yeah, <laughs> It, really, it wasn't that late. I think it was like twenty past eleven. No, it wasn't. But it was before eleven because when we finished, yeah,
0: but we, we had started start really early. Time. We started at like you know one o'clock. So. Well, you
2: guys started at quarter past twelve. Actually, so, yeah. Yeah. so
0: it was good. We got to see uh, sexy just out of the shower. Harry Ugh, uh, far glistening
2: far in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I turned up turned up early, man. I was like, well, fuck it, I'm not I'm not changing my shower slash cooking schedule. Yeah. So uh, I just dripped everywhere in my towel.
0: Yeah, so we're having, we're recording this a little bit earlier than we normally would because, uh, well, basically Ronan's up, so we thought we'd do it now. So we don't have as much news uh, this week, so we'll just, uh, we'll fly through a few bits. So probably biggest movement is KC have now uh, got the new GM, uh, Brad, or Brett Veach, An internal candidate has been working there for a while. He's, uh, I think, worked with Andy Reid previously in Philadelphia. Good relationship there uh, with him. He seems to be the kind of the expected internal candidate to be taking it to no major surprises, really. Uh, He'll be reporting directly to the CEO, Clark Hunt, uh, which... Could be a mitigation of trying to avoid issues that happened with the previous GMs, or could just be how he likes to do things. Who knows? Uh, so, what are you reckon about this, lads? Is there like it's a bit kind of uh, redundant almost, given that they've already done the draft and everything? That this is more going to be a doing the cut down of the roster rather than picking anything for growth. And next year they don't have a first round pick, so he's got an easier job. <laughs> <laughs> do you, any any thoughts on this guy? Do you know anything about him?
2: no <laughs> <laughs> i think many of us do it it's it's yourself but i think it's the one thing i will say there's something you identified on the last podcast is that there was questions over the firing basically and was it to do with the relationship clark hunt had with the gm yeah and based on what you said about the reporting structure they're going to have it looks like that may well have actually been the been the case yeah a lump
0: of that seems to be now as you said we, we're kind of getting two sides
2: of the story because we're getting either the reports from in the chiefs
0: camp which are the kind of there was problems with the negotiation there's problems with the relationship uh, and he wasn't getting along very well with players in terms of renegotiating contracts but then of course we're going to hear other stuff coming from his side saying more along the lines of didn't see growth opportunities didn't see himself there long term kind of thing so it's like i said we'll probably know what the truth is in about 20 years time when someone writes a book and no one will care at that point so that's fine there's really not a huge amount of other news we had the uh, supplemental draft the always the most exciting part of the year. Uh, no one was taken. Yeah, there's
1: only two
2: players
0: eligible this year. Well.
2: <laughs> it is it is mightily pointless unless there is somebody who's really worth it. Because like obviously you have to give up your draft pick, or you can just wait until it's free wait until the something on the draft is over and pick them up as free agents. Like it's just it's really pointless a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, like I think the last one is uh, about two years ago would I say a battle didn't really do much. I think the last notable one would have been Josh Gordon. Yeah,
0: uh, I was going to say the Browns have hit it up once or twice. Not sure it's notable for the right reasons. but <laughs> you know? I suppose we've got a little bit of crime and punishment. Uh, well, are these players up to it? Probably felonies. No, just misdemeanors this week. Misdemeanors right. this week. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not too bad. So, um, yeah, Adolphus Washington, defensive tackle of Buffalo has been arrested on misdemeanor weapons charge. This is quite funny. We were discussing this earlier today, Fitz. Uh, do you, to, do you want to tell the story of what he's done? He did have a he did have a carry permit.
1: Yeah, so so based on the reports, he did have an open carry permit because America. But apparently, there was like an interaction with the police, and he may have kind of you know moved the gun in a way that could be interpreted as being somewhat uh, threatening. He went uh, waggling
0: that gun. Yeah,
1: which you know, generally not a great idea. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and yeah, apparently it, it, when he was arrested, it like it wasn't it wasn't a felony. It's a misdemeanor. It's like you know, you know, if you have this open per- carry permit, you need to actually still fulfil some actual, you know, good citizen mm. rules, basically. And in this case, uh, Mister Washington decided that fuck that, and now he's got a weapons charge. If I was if I was the guest, he'll probably end up getting a slap in the wrist. But I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL slapped a
0: couple uh, game suspension on top. Yeah, it just like it's just stupid, like just waggling a gun in front of a cop. Like, just don't do it. Don't be that stupid. Uh, further news on Michael Floyd: uh, league substance abuse policy has kicked in. They've just made official his uh, how many games is it? These after it'll be four games. Yeah, like, do we think that's going to have a large impact on Minnesota's season? It might mean he gets cut. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, maybe Dredd will catch a ball. <laughs>
2: Nobody really cares about Michael Floyd at this point. To be no.
0: It's uh yeah, so that's I think that's pretty much all all we have for the yeah, news. There's, this
2: week. Yeah, there's obviously this r- the rumors about. Um Ezekiel Elliott possibly being suspended. oh yes yeah yes but that's all very very much hearsay at this point
0: yeah so we don't know there's there's stories floating around about possibly two game suspension uh, coming down the line for him so we'll see what happens with that like it's kind of the quiet period now at the moment we've got another what two weeks until it all kind of kicks off proper in again so then we'll have all the exciting training camp stories where everyone is being hyped and looking better than they ever have and running better and oh they're playing on a whole other level yeah uh,
1: Yeah, that's usually why we skip that period because it's like (laughs) stuff is happening,
0: but most of it is just empty noise, basically. Yeah. (laughs) But I suppose with that, uh, that'll be our shortest news section uh, ever. I think Uh, we're going to move on to our uh, divisional by division uh, previews. So uh, we're going to kick off with the AFC East first: Bills, Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots uh, in this division—the one that is just eternally ran by the Patriots—and then three also runs sitting in there as well. We'll go through them one by one and have a chat. So we'll add kind of like players who have come in, players who've gone out, kind of personnel moves, and then a couple of the main issues that are surrounding. I'll come to you guys then for for your take on some of that. So we'll kick off with the Bills. Uh, they've added in Sean McDermott, the head coach, uh, Micah Hyde, Tradavius White, Mike Talbert, and Pat DeMarco. Uh they've lost Rex Ryan. Oh what a loss. Uh Stefan Gilmore, Nickel Roby Coleman, and Zach Brown. So this'll be an interesting one. Uh like can McDermott come in and kind of establish himself and bring discipline into the locker room where we've seen that there's been a lot of discord happening. We've got the question of what's Tyra Taylor gonna look like. There is so there was so much talk, if you'll remember, over the offseason about like getting his deal done. Will he claim he has an injury to get the injury guarantee kicked in, all this kind of stuff? So there's a lot of kind of needing to prove that they deserve a job here as well. Uh, they've also added a number of pieces to the defence, hoping that that can then bolster themselves up. We have them going okay, I think. Uh, well, some of us do, some of us do not. Uh, what do we reckon, I suppose Fitz, I'll come to you first on this. What do you think is the biggest issue facing these guys going into the season, outside of the Patriots or in their division?
1: Yeah, well, that, that is the major problem, but like I think, if I'm looking at this team, the biggest issue that they have is that I think the secondary, uh, they lose Steve stefan Gilmore, they lose Robbie Coleman, who was like their nickel back, and they brought in Micah Hyde, who was who's a good flex player that in New England that they brought in, and he did pretty well. And then Green they Bay. bring what Green Bay, yeah, sorry Green Bay. They bring in Tredevaris White, uh, rookie, fairly ha- fairly highly uh, rated, first round, but. Like if they can't stop the pass, that's going to be a problem, particularly against the Patriots, particularly against the high Howard offenses in the league. And like McDermott brings a bit of like reputation there to hopefully maybe sort that around. But I would have doubts that this defense will be good enough to kind of carry an offense, which is good but not reliable. I think that's what we lost all last season. The offense could have games where it actually rip you up. And you get like 200 yards for Shady and and Tyrod Taylor would look like a elite quarterback. But there'd be other games where they just wouldn't do the same. So if that, unless I don't think, I think that just kind of comes implicitly with the type of personnel you have in offense right now. So the defense really needs to be solid. I don't think it's going to be quite there this year. I think it's definitely got potential going forward, but I'm not sure
0: it'll be there this year and it'll end up kind of evening out into a fairly average season. Yeah. Like, Harry, what do you reckon this offense is going to look like this year, given that like... We've got new head coach coming in. We've got a kind of a year to prove it for this quarterback. We've got, let's be honest, like while it's still a very good running back, aging. Like this is a scenario where we need to have a have a look at how we think this offense will actually be able to perform. What do you reckon?
2: Well, yeah, um, I don't know. Like you say that Shady's aging. He's twenty nine, thirty now, but he hasn't really shown that he's been slowing down. Obviously, he having a lot of you know he's had his injury <laughs> woes recently. But uh, he was still... And is fighting. Yeah, well, <laughs> look, the guy is mental. But uh, like when you look at how he performed last season when he was healthy, there's no indication that he was slowing down. So until we see something that indicates basically on the field that that is... Mm-hmm. It, and, it, of course, if that does happen, that's a huge worry for Buffalo because he is so much their offense. I'm not really sure what they're going to look like offensively. They're, they're two of their big free agent signings are fullbacks. They signed two fullbacks, which is really unusual. Following so
0: the 49ers' method,
2: Yeah, most teams, <laughs> most teams don't even have one. They've got two they're, they're with uh, Talbert and DeMarco, so that's very strange. So presumably it's a look for um, both in terms of this is going to be a more run-heavy team, but I think we kind of knew that, but also this might be about giving more protection, having guys who can basically pass-protect. Um, and not having to, you know, necessarily put LaShawn McCoy in that role. You know, maybe giving a bit more protection for Taylor. The the issue, of course, there is that outside of Sammy Watkins, though, there aren't a huge amount of people for Taylor to throw the ball to. So this is gonna have to be a run heavy offense, not just because that's where the strength are, but also because the weakness uh receiver hasn't really been addressed. And say Jones is an interesting rookie, but again, you don't really know how good they're gonna be until you actually see them start practicing and then you see them actually playing mm-hmm. on the field. It's Buffalo's in a very odd spot because this is where this team should be in a transitional place. It should be in a case of Okay, we've just cleared out um, a head coach who was causing a lot of problems. We've cleared out uh, player, you know, players who were part of his system. We're, we're rebuilding that. But at the same time, they've got a quarterback who's essentially in a prove-it position. They have LaShawn McCoy who, as you have said, like, he, we haven't seen him slow down, but he can't keep doing this forever. He might only have two, three years to go. Um, and it's like, okay, so at what point... Is this team going to make the leap? And at what point is this team going to actually step out of being in eternal rebuild mode? And at what point is it actually going to have... A, we're going to see a proper direction for Buffalo rather than just trying to survive? And I think that's kind of the problem here. There's, I don't believe that they've put together anything coherent about how this team is going to move forward. No. And This season is going to be critical for McDermott to establish his stamp and build that structure. And we're going to see what this team is going to look like going forward. But at the same time, there's a huge amount of unresolved questions, as Ron said, with the defensive backfield and on offense. Quarterback remains an issue. I believe in Tyrod Taylor, but that's just me. You know, I could be completely wrong on that. We still don't really know. I, I'm concerned. Like, I think this team is going to be okay. I have them going now. I lost all my original predictions, uh, so on the spot I've made up eight and eight because I think there's a lot of talent there still. I think their defense will get exposed against better teams, but it's still quite good. Yeah. Um, and they have a lot of a lot of talented pieces and can beat teams, but they're not. I don't think at a position, as Ronan says, where they're going to make a leap this year and it's not clear where that mm-hmm. leap is going to come from yet.
0: Ronan, what did you give them on a win-loss? 7-9 uh, and nine, so I, I pretty much agree with Harry. Similar Can't but just... just on a slightly more depth. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be very good at all. I think that there's going to be question marks... ...everywhere. This is going to end up being a rebuild season more so than we would we would expect looking at their personnel. Uh, I've got them going 4-12, and 12, which is good enough for 15th in the AFC... Uh, ...because there's an even-shitter team in their division. <laughs> uh, but that, we'll, we'll get on to them in a bit. So next up, I suppose we'll have a look at the Dolphins. They've added in TJ McDonald, Nate Allen... Julius Thomas, uh, Lawrence Timmons, Charles Harris. Uh, they've lost Brandon Albert, who I think is still yet to sign anything with Jacksonville. Uh, Mario Williams, Earl Mitchell, uh, Jordan Cameron, Dion Sims. So the question is, obviously, this is a team who looked strong at the back half of the season last year. They seem to really be actually getting something going with Tannehill, the quarterback, seeing a good bit of offense. I think the explosion of Jay Ajayi really helped them out with that. They made it to the playoffs with a backup quarterback who got fucking creamed during that yeah. during that fight. I was going to say that fight. Uh, <laughs> Every game
2: with the Steelers yeah. might as well be like more yeah. of
0: a massacre. But uh, yeah. um, So the question is obviously can they can they build on what they, the success they saw at the tail end of last year and be able to continue in and maybe get to the playoffs again? Is what we saw at the back end of the season out of Tannehill, uh, an example of him turning the corner and maybe progressing further, or is it just a flash in the pan? Uh, and then finally, I was a question of like their D-line, there's a lot of money tied up in that, and can it perform to the level that it's being paid at at the moment? Because they, even with the success they were having on offense, it would still required good play out of that defense to keep them in games, because even when good, they weren't uh, kind of out of this world or anything. So, I'll come to you first on these guys, Harry. What do you think are going to be the major issues facing them this offseason?
2: Yeah, well, I think you've sort of identified where the where the real questions are um, in terms of, like, there were things that were trending up, and can those things continue to do so? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It, like, I, I might be being a bit harsh on the Dolphins here, which is a weird thing to say, right? But they've, they've shown they're well coaching, they've shown they have talent. But I, we still haven't really seen consistency from them. We still haven't seen coherence from them. We've seen way too many big players just consistently go missing in games throughout the season. Yeah. How, I'm not sure how you can fix that. Um if you have like guys like Sue, for example, who just every now and again just decide they aren't really that interested in playing turning up for this game. And it's like how do you how do you deal with that? Because the talent is definitely there. Um, with guys like that with obviously Cameron Wake on, on the defence. Tannehill I think look, Tannehill I think the difference for Ryan Tannehill has been two things. Firstly the, the emergence of JI has given them a run game which is taken a lot of the pressure off him. And secondly I think we saw that young offensive line start to become a bit more coherent towards the end of last season, and Tannehill's problem for so, so long has been that he has been getting smacked around, he has been getting pressured non-stop because the O-line has been an absolute sieve, and I think we've seen some improvement there, but I don't know where Miami's next step comes from. I don't know what takes them from being a good team who can give teams trouble to being a team who can get to the playoffs and then actually, A, get to the playoffs and then B, actually compete with the top-tier teams in the AFC. Because I, I don't think they're at that level. I think they're, there are too many spots where they have individual talent. Um, like, for example, in the defensive backs, you've got guys like, like Rashad Jones or whatever, but it's like, where's the overall unit? Where is the, is, mm-hmm. is their talent on the field? I think it's too much of it's tied up in individual players who can provide brilliance, but against well-coached, well-organized teams are going to come up short. So I think this is going to be a, a solid year. I think there's going to be more positives to take from it, but I think the team is still going to need to really add particularly depth mm-hmm. realistically before this can become a team that that moves forward and starts perhaps challenging New England. Uh, I have him going 9-7. I think JJ is a great player. I think Ryan Tannehill's development is real. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite quarterback, but I think he's shown that he can be good and run mm-hmm. an offense. Uh, but I have too many questions about basically, you know, I I, I don't, think they're receiving course fantastic outside of Jarvis Landry mm-hmm. and I think on the defense there's just too many holes that surround the mega stars, yeah uh that leave this team exposed
0: no of course what about yourself Ronan what did you be thinking on this do you think that they can break through and get to the playoffs and actually take a shot at it or is this going to be another kind of wishy-washy nearly there
1: like like I think that they'll certainly be in that kind of long tail of like uh, mediocre teams that have wild card aspirations uh If I was to put money on it, I probably would say that they'll end up not getting it just because, you know, none of the teams in that group probably are more likely. It's just kind of whoever ends up getting a good run with injuries and stuff like that. I think the biggest problem with this team is that there is very few players that you're like, oh man, like I'm really happy with that player. Even the players with big reputations like Sue, you've kind of like, since they went to Miami, have performed well and have gotten better as time has gone on, but have generally not... Uh, exceeded expectations anyway or at least have like blown up to the extent that they were expected to when given all that money and of course you see in the clear out of players like Brandon Albert and Mario Williams that in the past that that seems to be the situation in Miami every year there's like players come in do a decent job and then leave and then that's fine well Mario Williams case not so much fine towards (laughs) the end of it but I think the problem is is that that's what I'm seeing again, like you see the players they bring in, they bring in Julius Thomas, they bring in Lawrence Timmons, these are fine players, they're grand players, but they're not the type of players that's like, this will fundamentally give this team the next step, But and in the division, when you're in the same division as the Patriots, that's what you're looking to do, because as long as you can't, as long as you seem like a team who's always just kind of like, like, going on the coattails of the Patriots and looking for a wildcard spot, I don't think you're going to create the kind of Uh, culture in the team that's going to push you to that next level Uh, I think it's also just to get to this level they've had to spend so much money uh, yet they still seem too far from actually being a genuine contender in the AFC overall. And I think that's a problem. There's just not that much more room for them to grow, and that's a bit of a problem going forward from a purely kind of general manager money mm-hmm. point of view. And they're certainly in, in the run for the wildcard spots, but I don't think anyone's considering the Dolphins to be a genuine, like, uh, make the leap candidate uh, to being a major contender in the AFC. Yeah. Uh, so I personally have them going 8 and 8. Kind of just averaging it out, but like you mm. know, they could finish on six, they could finish on ten, uh, maybe eleven, uh, and make the wild card. But yeah. they won't do much more than that.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 erring on the side of the bit of a regression this season. Like you said, I don't see what's making them jump massively versus what they were last year. I think they'll do all right, and I've got them going seven and nine. Uh So coming just short of a of a, of a five hundred season. Uh Next up, the greatest football team, uh the New York. Jets, These guy's heavy favourites for the Super Bowl this year, uh, they've added in Josh McCowan, <coughs> Jamal Adams, Mars Claiborne, Marcus May and Calvin Beecham, they've got rid of uh, Fitzmagic, uh, Gino Smith, Marshall, Decker, Ryan Clady, Nick Mangold, Darrell Rivas, Calvin Ryan. they really fucking cleaned house, Like, um, so are they going to win a game is the main <laughs> question, can they... Also, how can they just boldface lie to their fans and say, while they're doing all of this, we're not rebuilding, we don't rebuild. That's not how this works. This team will be competitive. Well, it's true. The Jets have never successfully rebuilt their team. That's for a long time. True. So, yeah. So, obviously, the intended is possibly the worst team in the world. Uh, like, not a great stable of quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, uh, anything really uh, going on there. Uh, they do have some good pieces on the defense, but, like, I don't know really, similar to what we said about the Vikings, like where the fuck are points going to come from uh, in this team? So I suppose I'll come to you first on this, Ronan. Will the Jets win a game? On the balance, probably they'll probably
1: win one game or maybe two.
0: Uh, you know,
1: even even like, you know, we had the Christmas miracle last year where Cleveland managed to win a game despite that team going through a similar process. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest issue... Uh, like well the biggest issue is that obviously this is a rebuild team but obviously the the, the coaching staff is saying it's not like I think Todd Bowles is basically in a competition with John Fox in Chicago to see who gets fired first to be honest Mm. Um, and of course there's a whole subplot of course that if they're doing badly there is generally considered to be a decent crop of QBs coming through next year that will be picked at the top of the draft mm, uh, scam for Sam yeah and of course now there's rumours that Sam Darnold is considering not not, not not coming out yeah which which would be pretty funny because I think that's that's similar to something that happened to the Jets back in the day with Peyton Manning yeah uh, where, where it's like they did really badly and it's like Peyton's like uh, no I'm going to stay in, in, in college a year longer I <laughs> uh, have more sexual sorry alleged sexual assaults to conduct yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I think t- I think that's
0: a direct quote.
1: Uh, <laughs> I have to get some pizza or something like that. Uh, Papa John told me. But um, look, uh, like it's a terrible team. There's things all all about it. But I think the worst thing that will be about this team is uh, the quarterback position. Like the best case scenario is you get a season out of Josh McCowan and it's fine. It's okay. They lose games because the team is bad overall. But it's not like the quarterback stinks things up too bad. Doesn't mm. like destroy you. But, like, the worst-case situation is like, oh, well, we have to just throw in Hackenberg. Maybe he is a franchise quarterback, (laughs) and he throws, like, 50 picks in, like... Uh, in the, in a season like or in like eight games probably like you well, know, this is
0: the thing I'm presuming it like at some point they're going to have to put him on the field for four or five games just yeah. to see what they've got because like it's it's not like it's going to be you know oh this is what's going to cost us the season like yeah. you know
1: and then like they might like try to rotate in Bryce Petty then it's like Jesus Christ like no
0: mm. like I can almost I it, like,
1: I'm not a Jets fan I don't really care about the Jets but I, even I can feel like just exasperation. Thinking about that happening, and it's just so likely. And, like, I think at least in Cleveland last year, most of it was due to injuries, and I think uh, stuff like that. Whereas in this case, I think people will just get pulled because they are bad. Mm. And when you have quarterbacking that bad, I think. It's really hard to see any hope, but I suppose that's the hope is is that next year you'll have a better quarterback. But yeah, mm. for me this is a dead season, and in the end I, I gave them a win one and fifteen. <laughs> uh, they'll pick it up somewhere, just just on the balance probably. But uh, yeah, I think they play the Browns at one point. So
0: it's not gonna be fun, boys. It's not gonna be fun in New oh. York. Poor lads, because uh, the brother is moving over there now in a, in a, about a month's time, and uh, he was asking me said, uh, "What are the Jets like these days?" that like support the Giants. Just, <laughs> just don't bother. But yeah, uh, Harry, do you think we're being unduly harsh?
2: or is? Um, sorry, I think you might be being a little harsh. Like, this is a bad team. This is probably not the worst team in the NFL. Like, the Rams exist, the Browns exist, the Niners exist. I don't think you can point to them and say the Jets are... I don't think you can point to the Jets and say they're definitely better than these guys. But I don't think you can point to the Jets and say they're definitively worse than these guys. There's quite a few really really bad teams right now and this is definitely one of them but i don't think they're like far away the worst um like 100 quarterback is a total shit show they have no wide receivers that i'm aware of i think quincy and is the number one wide receiver he's fine but he is not a number one wide receiver and this team will be bad this team will suck but like to let's be honest greg mcelroy won a game for the jets once greg mcelroy okay so like it's not impossible. Isn't a golfer but, or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it probably is now. It was, I think the score was seven points to six against the Arizona Cardinals. It was one mm. of the worst games ever. But that's the point. The Jets' defense is good enough that they're going to find themselves in some of these like worst games ever with the likes of the Browns, uh, who they're playing. Uh, they're also playing because uh, they finished bottom of their division, right? So they're playing some bad teams. Okay, yeah. so you have to consider like that, like. The uh, the Jaguars the other bad team that play. So the point is, there's when you have a good defense. And This team still does have a talented defense. It still does have a coach who, in the right situation, has been able to find a defense and make it work. I don't think they're going to only win one game. I ha- think they'll win three games. Uh, looking at their schedule, I'm not sure which games are going to be. To be honest, with you. I'm just trying to make excuses now. The Jags, but, uh, Browns, yeah. and then obviously,
0: oh no, give, give them four. Give them the Pats two times. Yeah, oh yeah
2: <laughs> sweep the Pats. But um, like this is—I think Ron has identified, and I think you guys have identified what's wrong with this team. I think everybody knows what's wrong with this team. But I do think that there's enough residual talent left on that D line and the linebackers, mm-hmm. and to a lesser extent the defensive backfield that they're gonna end up being a stumbling block for one or two teams because they're playing a lot. They play a lot of teams who are quite inconsistent. But they're screwed. I also think that by going three and thirteen, they're gonna screw themselves out of the number one pick as well because <laughs> that would be the most Jets thing to do. And uh, you have to feel bad for Todd balls, but he took the job, and he really never should have.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I suppose just one thing to say: like we, we complained about the Bills, and we've complained about other teams in in the past, in previous previews. But uh, you know they're kind of stuck; they're not really moving forward. I suppose at least the Jets are choosing to move
2: forward.
1: Yeah. Uh, so they, you know...
0: They're trying something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We'll, we'll <laughs> see how it works it's out. A strategy. I'm sure... We'll, well, we'll see the year two version uh, mm-hmm. in a few moments. Uh, so we'll see how that we think
0: about that one. Yeah, I've got them winning one game just because I think it's very difficult to go 0-16. Like, someone is going to just make a mistake against them and it'll probably be the burdens. Uh okay. But we'll see. Uh Best of luck, New York. I, I, I'm heading over to visit Owen, and one of the uh, the Chiefs play in New York twice, so they're playing the Giants and the Jets this year. And I was eyeing them up, kind of going, which one should we go to? Oh, I don't think like we could probably get like fifty yard box seats for like twelve dollars <laughs> for a Jets game in November, like. But uh, I think I think I'm gonna have to target the Giants one instead because I don't think I could sit down and watch that live. Um, next up, um, Scrubs called the. Patriots who are these guys I've never heard of them before
2: oh uh, they've got some some sick round pick a quarterback
0: that basically uh, some like. shit yeah. oh this is this is uh, this is that team with superstar Rex Burkhead on it right <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patriots have added in Stefan Gilmore Coney Ely, Lawrence Guy Rex Burkhead Mike Gillisley Brandon Cooks Dwayne Allen they have parted ways with Martellus Bennett LeGarrette Blanche sheared, Chris Long Logan Ryan yeah, these guys are, like, bookies-heavy favourites to win the Super Bowl again. They're considered the best team in the NFL. They've got a superstar quarterback, excellent head coach combo. They've now also finally got some incredible-looking weapons to put around. They've got about 26 people competing to catch balls and run, so they've they've, they've got plenty of depth. So, can Bill Belichick repeat again? I, th- I heard he's renamed his boat. But uh, but yeah, so like the question is obviously, can he work as magic? These they've got a lot of new pieces coming in on the defense. Uh, They're currently trying to like. There's a lot of question marks about what's happening with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, He looked good the brief bit of time we saw him last year. They wanted to keep him on. They haven't traded him as many were expecting the Browns to pay them three first round picks for him (laughs) or whatever. I'll start with you on this, Harry, because they are your guys, Um, the best team in the NFL. Like who can who can actually challenge them?
2: Yeah, well, they are the best team in the NFL. I mean, that's been consistent really year after year. Of course, as we always say, in the playoffs, once you get to the playoffs, and the Patriots are barring something catastrophic happening, going to go to the playoffs. You never know what will happen there. There's always one game, fine margins, etc., etc. Mm. We've seen we've seen it happen before, where they've lost the team so they really, really should have beaten. But you have to feel good as a Pats fan uh, going into this season, like the keep the keep the key pieces are still intact. Yeah, we've lost some perhaps useful players, but we've got in replacements like, yeah, Logan Ryan is a decent cornerback, Stephon Gilmore is an upgrade. Like, Martellus Bennett, okay, yeah, Dwayne Allen is a downgrade, perhaps, but Allen's still a very fine player, and if Gronk stays healthy, it really won't matter that much. The the, the one thing that was a bit unusual, because a lot of it is very much kind of like for like with the, the Gilmore signing was a little, a li- that did seem a little surprising, uh, but at the time it looked like Malcolm Butler was going to leave now with him staying, that's a mm-hmm. really, really terrifyingly good one-two uh, a corner. And, um, the other thing is the trading of a first round pick for Brandon Cooks, which is unusual. Obviously teams tend not to do it, but I suppose the logic being, well, look, if we're going to take first round on, we don't really like anybody, we might as well spend it on a proven player who we Mm -hmm. do like. It's a bit weird given the state of that receiving core. Like, as you said, there's so many options spending a first rounder on a guy who is probably just going to end up being another part of that machine. And I don't expect we'll put up transcendental numbers, Mm. um. Is a little strange, but at the end of the day, every single time I've questioned Bill Belichick, I have been wrong. So I've just sort of stopped doing it. <laughs> um, this is, talent-wise, this is the best team. Barring you know Brady imploding, and even then, we know Garoppolo can be good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very difficult to see how New England don't go to the Super Bowl, basically, yeah. uh, based on talent alone. Obviously, there are things that can trip them up in the playoffs, but I think they have to be the favourites to win the Super Bowl. They're going to easily win this division. I have them going 14-2. Uh, and two. Very um, good. Good and they first overall. It, it, absolutely. And it was, to be honest, very difficult to find games that they could lose. Mm. Um, they do have some tough opponents, but looking at it, you're like, this. this is a team that looks as strong as it did last season.
0: Yeah. Uh, what do you reckon, fits Is this just uh, him being locked into the system? He's just he can't can't imagine life without Bill, or is his team as good as we're discussing?
1: Yeah, I, I think it, it's probably as good as we're discussing. I think if you if you're looking at Super Bowl favorites, you have to take the Patriots right now uh, from across the NFL AFC or NFC. Um, it's interesting. Like I, I think like. If you're looking for weak points, if you're, like, really trying to dig through, like, they bring in Coney Ely and Lawrence Guy, they lose Jabal Shear and Chris Long, like, they may or may not be considered upgrades, but obviously you're trying to retool that pass rush, obviously, but, like, to be fair, like, they won the Super Bowl while also getting rid of Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones, who were two elite pass rushers that they basically found to be surplus to requirements which kind of tell and like i think that makes sense because the new england patriots defensive system is more like a bend don't break type defense doesn't really require you to get to the quarterback uh, quickly i suppose i should say but that you kind of get that by having like suffocating coverage and stuff mm-hmm. like, i think with stefan gilmore you have a, an interesting one-two punch and at the same time in that classic belichickian way uh you have leverage now over Malcolm Butler going forward like I think like for me personally it wasn't as much about getting Stephen Gilmer to replace Malcolm Butler but that it gave them a huge amount of leverage short term over him uh, that basically meant he was kind of screwed uh, it's like because like you know the only leverage a player has is that they're not replaceable and he was just being replaced um, so yeah like I think you know, the biggest thing will be just can all of these pieces be integrated quickly, and which, like, I think it's inevitable that some of them will end up falling out and not really living up to the reputation. That happens all the time in New England, but that doesn't matter because that just means that the other guys have done well. So, you know, is it Burkhead, Gillisley? is it James White, is it like, is it Dion Lewis, whoever? It could be. It'll probably change week to week as well. But you know, at the end of the day, I think you know this offense is going to be powerful. But I think the difference is always between the uh, good Patriots teams. And the elite Patriots teams that are like super, like win the Super Bowl is that the defense mm-hmm. stands up. And I think, based on the additions that they've made there and the like for like replacements, I think there's no reason to believe that defense should be any worse than last year. And there's definitely potential there with that Stephen Gilmer mm-hmm. up to be even better. Uh, so for me, I have them going 13 and 3, getting number one seed.
0: And yes, probably going all the way to the Super Bowl. Mm. I've got the same, I've got 13 and 3, taking the one overall. Uh, yeah, it should be fun. Uh, I was I was chatting with this the other day, though, saying that uh, so they open against the the Chiefs. Uh, one will be booking that Friday off, uh, but uh, I was thinking it's such a zero sum game for the Chiefs because like either like everyone expects they're going to get the shit kicked out of them that the that the New England are going to win. So that's grand. I reckon New England will win as well. I have them winning that game, but like there's no benefit to the Chiefs. Like if the Chiefs win, it's just going to be oh, well they're just like the Patriots are always slow to start. They're just betting in all their new ones, there'll be no credit given to the other sides. Like Because of how much we assume that New England are going to dominate, that any games they lose, I think people are going to say it's them who lost the game rather than the other team that's playing them. Well, like,
2: I, I, don't, I don't know if there's no benefit to like winning one of the tougher no, games on like, your know, schedule. Uh, but, you, but you know what That's I mean? not it's what a like, zero-sum game yeah. is, but yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah, but like, like, you know, when you've been successful for over a decade, uh, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, that organisation you always get the benefit of that that's the difference Mm -hmm. between like that's what you earn when you're so good for so long if you know if you want Andy well Andy Reid gets a bit of that as well
0: but if you want that you have to be that good yeah you do and they fucking look like it anyway I'll tell you that much (laughs) So we'll move on to the AFC North now, uh, For again for, for, for new listeners, that's Bengals, Browns, Ravens and Steelers. Um, we'll kick off, I suppose, with the Bengals. So they've added in John Ross and Joe Mixon, Andre Smith and Kevin Minter. They've lost Andrew Whitworth, uh, Kevin Zeitler, Rex Burkhead, Marcus Hunt and Carlos Dansby. So this is a team that I think last year we saw a bit more potential coming out of them with how Andy Dalton was playing. But then injuries and the fact that their O-line was not able to really help them at all, cut them, cut them down in the prime of their lives. Uh, they've added in uh, Mixon to the running back rotation there, who uh, highly touted uh, Prospect with a load of uh, domestic abuse issues, which seems par for the course for a lot of running backs these days. So whether or not the addition of Ross and Mixon will be able to assist the uh, offence, take some of the pressure off AJ Green and uh, and really kind of let them expand a bit what they were doing. Uh, they've also got, again, as we've always said, a very talent-heavy uh, defence but doesn't always perform to the level that you want. Could they do their job and can they stay disciplined throughout? Because this is a problem we've seen a couple of times uh, where they just do stupid shit on the field and cost themselves games. So I suppose I'll come to you first on this on Harry. Like, do you think that this is going to be a year where Dalton can kind of turn the corner a bit more and show his quality? Or are they not going to be able to protect him? Is this O-line going to kind of collapse?
2: Yeah, I think this is the problem. The O-line doesn't seem to have improved. I mean, with um, Whitworth and Zeitler mm. leaving as well, I'm not sure they've been replaced effectively. Mm. And it, it remains an issue. Like you, And you can talk about, like, oh, yeah, Joe Mixon, you know, Huge talent, but if they can't create space for him and they can't give him time, he's going to go absolutely nowhere. Yeah. So and similarly, you've got a, a home run threat like John Ross. You need time for those players to develop. So I'm, I'm concerned about the Bengals uh, for, for pretty much that exact reason. Like you say, they certainly have talent all over the field. I don't think their roster is as strong as it's been in previous years. No, it, has, it has gotten often, yeah. weaker. Yeah. Concerned that this is not this is going to be another difficult season for them. Uh, I'm not sure where. I'm not sure where they, they they find that protection and where they find that time and space that they need. And, I mean, you can never really write them off because we know Dalton has elevated his play over the last few seasons. We still know A.J. Green's a phenomenal talent and they've got lots of nice pieces in there. Uh, and, to be honest with you, even with Ola issues, you still have three very talented running backs now mm-hmm. in that backfield. But... When they come up against elite defences, when they come up against teams that are good at disruption, at pushing the pocket, putting quarterbacks under pressure, and giving running backs less time and space, they're going to, I think, come really, really unstuck. And that's a problem in a division with the Ravens, in a division with the Steelers, where you have teams who have been very, very good at that recently. I'm not sure that we're going to see this team live up to its potential. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're going to see this team fall short of its potential. I have them going 7-9. and nine. I think they're definitely good enough to win... Against teams who are around their level or worse, but I think against better teams, they're going to come unstuck, and they're going to lose games that they shouldn't lose, simply because they're not going to be able to protect Dalton, and if he gets hurt, um, their backups can do a job, but can't <laughs> win games against good teams. Yeah, so you've got them
0: going 7-9. and nine. Uh, What about yourself, Ronan? What do you think...
1: Yeah, it it, like, it it kind of feels like last season they stalled out because like, they'd had that long run of making the playoffs and, of course, mm-hmm. infamously not being able to win a game in the playoffs. That run of success or that run of reliability was built on having loads of talent, like very talent-rich throughout the roster. And there was definitely a field that, we, I think it was, we made predictions several times, or we would have made predictions several times, where it's like, well this is the year where it finally falls off, and last year was actually the year that it happened, so now is the year that we'll actually find out whether Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton had the leadership capacity to really pull this team up because this is a team that like has had a bad season they've made some changes they've added some like talented players but I think this year is all about establishing that there's someone in charge of this team because I think so many times last year when you were watching a Bengals game they get behind or, or they be slightly ahead but you just wouldn't trust them um, and of course that's something that in the play- we associate with them in the playoffs regardless but it's just like there's something about the Bengals Last season that just made you feel that they didn't really know how to win anymore, and that if your quarterback isn't the one making that happen, if your coach isn't the one making that happen, then who is supposed to be doing that and like maybe it's to be that defense, but that defense is full of for lack of a better term, crazy people uh, who really shouldn't be on a football field, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, so it's not coming from the defence, because the defence is far too wild and undisciplined, and there's, I have no reason really, really to believe that Marvin Lewis will change that. Personally, it just seems like a team that kind of had a good run, but never made that step up. To kind of like push up, and then eventually that kind of stagnation seems to have caught up with them. And I think there's no reason to believe that the players that they brought in bring the kind of leadership which will turn that around. Even though it'll be exciting, even though they might make some more exciting plays, I don't think the type of players who will change the character of it. And then I think the pressure on Marvin Lewis will ratchet up. One more level uh, this season, maybe even to the level of being of being fired. So for me personally, I'm going seven and nine. I think, as Harry says, there's far too much talent that they won't win games. But I think I just don't like the feel of the Bengals right now. I know it's a very subtle like kind of weird thing to say, mm. but there was something about that team last year that I just don't think has been resolved, and, and it's going to kind of fester on for another year.
0: Yeah, like I'm with you guys a lot on that. I think. It'll be interesting to see with the addition of like Joe Mixon and then them potentially having kind of a go-to three-down back if he can take that role type thing, whether or not they can start to change their identity at the moment towards a more kind of hard-nosed, kind of run-the-ball type thing, which could show some benefit. But as we said, like with the holes that are sitting on that offensive line, I don't think it's going to be that successful for them this year, but I can see them trying to move into that system. I have them going 6-10 and 10 because I think it doesn't bet in particularly well or particularly easily for them uh, but it might then help them the following year if they can then say right this is what we're good at we can build on this uh, but at the moment it is that thing if they just seem very kind of vanilla-y like they'll do alright but they're not great kind of kind of entity uh, next up are the Browns uh, they've added in Brock Osweiler in that superstar trade they made uh, Deshaun Kaiser Kenny Britt <coughs> Miles Garrett, Bill Peppers Kevin Zeichler and JC Traitor. They have uh, lost Josh McCown RG3, Terrell Pryor and uh, Gary Barnage. I suppose the obvious questions are who's going to be playing quarterback for them. Uh, They were initially talking about just cutting Brock Osweiler. Now they're shouting on about him looking really good at OTAs and stuff like that. What will we see from the defense on this? They've now added some pieces. It could be quite nice. I don't know if it's quite up to that level. And these... Even though this is perennially a very poor team I think they're entering the season With the highest rated offensive line According to like Pro Football Focus And a lump of those ones In theory if one of these quarterbacks Is to step in They're in the best situation they can be To be able to, to grow And not basically have a David Carr style execution over the, uh, over the first year or two of them playing So I'll come to you on this Ronan What do you reckon this offence is going to look like uh, throughout the season, and do you think it's probably going to maybe be a different one in week one from week five? Like, I do? yeah, like, like, <laughs>
1: like the biggest problem with, with with kind of mapping out the offense here is that we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback. Um, you have Brock Osweiler, you have Deshaun Kaiser who they rate like they, they drafted in the second round. They have Cody Kessler, who was probably the, the the one who actually got the most time last season in Cleveland, which isn't saying much to <laughs> they had like five or six quarterbacks throughout the entire season. Um but I think what's good is that they've got rid of Josh McCown, who's a patch I don't think uh, it's not really great uh, you, like it, once you've gone like that's fine for the first year, but you want to get rid of over that as quickly as possible and they've given up a new orgy tree experiment, which uh, very much uh, welcome um I think like the addition of Zeitler in particular is a huge boon uh, and obviously they give a a major extension to Petonio, so he won't be going anywhere so I think you know with Joe Thomas there. Uh, and if Treter can be a decent center, then that is a really good offensive line. So there's no reason that a quarterback can't do okay or do pretty well. But I think the bigger question, of course, that people will be asking in Cleveland is, are any of the quarterbacks actually the one that you want to go forward when we we're talking about going to the next step? Of the ones on the roster right now, the only one I would consider to be potentially that is Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. Like He was very highly rated coming into his final season in college. Uh, his final season ended up being a bit of a, a, bit, a bit 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 under, underwhelming to be honest um, and there was certainly issues about his attitude uh, coming from the coaching staff I think one of his college coaches specifically basically called him out for not being uh, mature enough basically mm. so there's question marks there but of course I think everyone kind of realises that they'll probably they have so much trade tra- like they have so many picks in the war room that if they need to trade up even if they don't get the number one pick from like naturally just from how they do <laughs> uh, I think they have enough picks in in the back room that they can basically shoot the firepower to try and get up into the first or second spot and pick up a franchise quarterback if they think there's one there mm. uh, in the next year's draft which I think people are expecting there to be but of course that's what they always think a, a year out for me the only thing that's really bad like it, it's disappointing if you're trying to make that your own as a quarterback is that they lost throughout prior who's probably their best wide receiver they lose Gary Barnage who's probably their best tight end like they bring they brought in Kenny Britt he's fine he did pretty well for a bad Rams team made like decent plays for bad quarterbacks probably getting used to it at this point uh, <laughs> and I think Corey Coleman before accepting his injuries did, did look very dynamic uh, so like for me personally I think the biggest issue like I don't think the defense is quite there yet so I don't think they're going to win a lot of games I think the major thing that people want in Cleveland is they knew this was like a two three year project to kind of get them to relevancy and to me they're hoping it'll be like an Oakland Raiders type uh, situation where a year or two from now they'll have their franchise quarterback and suddenly the team will turn around very quickly because of all this talent Hmm. that they stocked like on the defense you know Miles Garrett and Jabril Peppers like they'll hopefully have good start, like good starts in their career, but it might be year two or year three where they turn into like pro, like probo, all pro level players, and then we'll see some interesting stuff. But I think, you know, everyone, I don't, I don't think there's anyone kind of believing that this year is the year where they'll mm. make that jump. No, of course. So what have you got them going? So I've got, I've got them going 4-12, but I think it'll be a lot more competitive, a lot more games this year than they were last year. Mm. A lot
0: less blowouts, and I think that'll be the kind of progress the fans want. Fair enough. Now, do you think, Harry, this is a spot where they're going to need to make a lot of movements in how they're coaching the players and how they scheme things up? Or is this just going to be a, a cast-off year? Do you think that this is going to be where they're going to start to instill playbook, or are they still trying to change personnel? problem with that is that we still don't really
2: know what the offence is going to look like coming into it. I think this is probably where you do start though because they have They obviously have pieces that they want to keep moving forward, Mm -hmm. like the foundations are being laid. Well, even really, started last season, foundations being laid, like obviously acquiring uh, Jamie Collins and then moving to sort of uh, tie down some of the the alignment longer contracts and so on. So from that perspective, yeah, this is where you want to start instilling the system, start getting guys used to it, and then what you have is rather than trying to, when you have all your pieces, trying to build it from the bottom up, then you're like, well, we have a thing and we're going to find guys who can fit into that because we have an idea of what does and doesn't work for us. The, the concern I think remains around the as, as Ronan rightly identified Around the skill positions But on both sides of the ball Is where you, you have problems There's no question about this team Having talent in the trenches And uh, a linebacker and so on But mm-hmm. quarterback is a huge issue There's some upside at wide receiver But we really don't know what the story is And cornerbacks, running backs Like there's, there's a lot of churn is going to happen there Over the next few seasons mm-hmm. But this is I think this has to be the foundational year And I think as Ronan rightly identifies This is where we need to see progress from Cleveland And I agree, I agree with him completely I think we are going to see progress. I mean, it's very hard after the last season not to, but I think this is where we do start seeing progress happening in Cleveland, where we start seeing them winning a few more games, where we see them being more competitive, and where we see, the, as, as you're saying, the type of football that they're going to look to play going forward start mm-hmm. to emerge out of this team um, what that is though nobody knows at this stage and yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see what they're able to come up with uh, very interesting time in Cleveland I also have them going 4-12 but this, I think this year will tell us whether or not this is going to be yeah. the start of a change or whether this is just going to be another one in an endless cycle of Cleveland mm. Brown half-assed rebuilds <laughs> Yeah, I've got them going
0: one game better, five and eleven. But uh, again, just same kind of idea. We'll start to see some good bits. We'll see them more competitive, but don't expect to see massive success this year in and of itself. I am very interested to see. Imagine that, like by the end of the season, we'll have we'll have seen Deshaun Kaiser playing at least five or six games. But it's a question of who's going to start out in place and how long of a leash they're going to have before they get yanked. You know. Uh, On off to the Ravens next. So they've added Jeremy Macklin, Danny Woodhead, Tony Jefferson, uh, Brandon Carr and Marlon Humphreys. They've lost Ricky Wagner, Jeremy Zuta, Lawrence Guy, Timmy Jernigan, Elvis Dumerville and Kyle Juszczyk. So obviously we were saying this around the time that they picked up Macklin. There's a couple of questions over what this offense is going to look like, who is going to be catching the ball. What will it look like now they've added in these new pieces. They've got... kind of fairly younger kind of defensive group there and what what are they going to look like they had a couple of very strong performances uh last season but can they build on that and uh finally will the o-line be able to hold up with all the the pieces that have now kind of fallen away from them uh like flacco is a chap that needs protection whether or not this team can actually provide that to him so i'll go to you first on these guys harry uh do you think this offense is going to look markedly different with these new pieces in or are they going to be
2: filling the roles of basically what, what what we've seen from the Ravens in the last two or three years? I think there's improvements and there's slight differences in what these guys can do versus what we've seen. Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, the last two or three years the Ravens have uh, had some difficulties on offense, put, mm-hmm. it, put it lightly. I don't think we're going to see um, a huge change in style. I think they know what has worked with Joe Flacco in the past and I don't think they're going to sort of rip it up. Just because they've got a couple of new skill position players, but mm-hmm. I do think that we're going to see. I do think we're going to see some kind of improvement here. Yes, uh, there are more questions about the O line. Losing Ricky Wagner is a big blow, but I don't think it's quite anywhere close to the level of concern you'd have about Cincinnati. They have still kept several very solid pieces on that, and they're probably going to be all right uh, moving forward. Even if I, I do think it has been slightly diminished, we know what they can do defensively. But on, in turn, that, that's again that there hasn't been a huge amount of churn there. This is what, most of their most of their pieces But yeah The offense is going to be interesting Danny Woodhead is a really Really interesting team Because that Is a type of player That we haven't really seen Baltimore deploy effectively For mm-hmm. quite some time And having that kind of Scat back Particularly for third down Situations and so on Is the kind of thing You actually want Where you have a quarterback who's hasn't been very good But has been struggling recently You have somebody Who can act more effectively As a safety valve And mm-hmm. um, In a guy like Macklin, you know, they're actually... Basically, it's an admittance that all these players that they've taken, like the Kamar Aikens, Marlon Browns, uh, Brashad Perrimans of the world, haven't really, haven't worked out. And this is saying, right, we're actually going to go out and we're going to invest in a guy who we think can be a number one here. And that makes sense. That's what they have to do. They can't... Flacco isn't a good enough quarterback to get by on scraps. And we've seen that and we know that. So having a guy like Macklin who can be a reliable target, who can stretch defenses effectively, and adding in a guy like Woodhead... Who can bring a—I don't say dynamism, but something different from what they've been yeah. doing in the backfield—that um, could make a huge amount of difference in terms of sort of smoothing things out and making things easier for Flacco to run the game and play the type of game he wants. Over the last few years, the, 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 for all we say about the Ravens, the one thing we, we can never question is that they—Joe they're, Flacco is elite. Well, <laughs> Joe Flacco is elite. Yeah, but is—is is that the from a general management perspective, they have been a very, very well-run team. They tend to draft well. They tend to make decent moves in free agency. And although we've seen them backslide for reasons, most of those haven't necessarily been roster-related. And I think these look like more smart pickups from a team that's mm. been quite good at doing that recently. Um, some big names are leaving, but at this point, guys, like, for example, Elvis Dumervil—that's that's just a big name. He is mm. not. He's past his peak. And it's like, that's when you want to move a guy like that on, when he's costing you money. And when he still has something to offer, absolutely, but it's not the level that it has been beforehand. So... I think this is going to be a more positive season for Baltimore. I have them going ten and six, which I think is good enough to make going to be good enough to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I still, I don't think this is a team with an overall talent level, particularly on offense, that's massively high. But I think they've moved in the right direction to try and make things easier for themselves. We know their defense is good. We know their offense can be good. Uh, otherwise, I don't foresee them making a deep run or beating the truly elite teams in the AFC. But I do believe that this is we're going to see a more stable Ravens. I think we're going to see a better Ravens than we've seen over the last little while, and one that can go back to being saying we have a decent enough offence that we can get by on having a very good defence. Yeah. So
0: what do you think, Ronan, do you reckon that they're going to be able to, to, to mask over the, the, the deficiencies that they've had on offence recently, or do you think that this is a team that's going to start backsliding, uh, that their maybe window is closed entirely on what they're currently doing offensively? As Harry
1: points out, I think like the co- well-run organisation and I think that always gives them a chance but I think the problem is is that over the last like since they won the Super Bowl basically there's been a slow but but perceptible change in the identity of this team and I think it accelerated to a certain extent in this off season between that traditional Ravens approach hard nose kind of like trench driven approach and the changes that they made this year are much more skill-driven, much more uh, about kind of opening up the playbook, hopefully trying to create a bit more skill set. I think I'm very excited to see what they get out of Tony Jefferson and Marlon Humphrey. Uh, early indications of Tony Jefferson in particular have been uh, have very high. Uh, and him and uh, who's the other safety? Eric Weddle. Uh, Eric Weddle could be uh, a really good... Uh, safety pairing there. If like if Eric Weddle continues to play at the level he was last season, that could be a really scary thing. But like like it's kind of different because like that defensive line continues to get older year after year. Like Terrell Suggs, these kind of players are getting a bit older, and they've never really found uh, the replacements uh, with the exception of their nose tackle. So it's kind of like uh, I kind of like I like the team. It's fine, but I think you know it, it's kind of losing its identity. I think like the Steelers managed to make that. Transition, and I think that's like much more successfully, but I think that's because they got players who were genuinely like game changers that like they were worth changing for obviously talking about Bell and Brown for example and I'm not sure that like Jeremy Macklin and Danny Woodhead fit that bill so I think the defense will might actually be a little bit better this year but I think with the losses on the offensive line and just the kind of integration of this different type of offense that's implied especially by Danny Woodhead it kind of leaves me a little bit like who who's going to be the hard nose running between the tackles guy there is it going to be Kenneth Dixon is going to be someone else and I think without that the Ravens like, I'm not sure this coaching, or, like, the, the coaching identity of the team is necessarily uh, compatible with. But then again, like, I could be under underestimating Harbaugh there. So for me, personally, i have be going 8-8, eight eight, but, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a little bit better than that. But I think there is, a, to a certain extent, it's just one of those teams that is kind of, like, a level above the Bengals. and managed to keep, like, what's core, but they have a better coaching staff, in my opinion. Uh, but there's just... Yeah, I think they're just to a certain extent they're just going to continue treading water and kind of being competitive, but never really reaching the same kind of heights they'd had to to win the Super Bowl uh, those years uh,
0: several years ago. Yeah, I have them going ten and six, uh, and actually I have them having them uh, win the division at ten and six. Uh, the Steelers also on ten and six, but the guys winning the uh, the fuck what's the term the tiebreaker um, at a five and one divisional record versus a four and two divisional records. There are question marks around this team. Uh, I'm with you 100 percent on that. I think they need to figure out who is going to be that kind of big-bodied back through the tackles, but I, I have a feeling that they're going to be able to figure that out. Uh, I like the addition of Macklin a lot. I like the addition of Woodhead a lot. I think they've got strong pieces on defense, and we saw them like run a lot of games closer than maybe their... Their final numbers last year would suggest, and I think that I've, I, I, think that they're going to be improved on both offense and defense. So I'm expecting them to make a little bit of a jump. Still not probably competing. They're not going to be able to take out the Pats or anything, but uh, they do tend to play them very, uh, very closely. Uh, so we'll see. on to our last team for the AC North, the Steelers. They've added TJ Watt, Cody uh, Sen- Sen- Sensible. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, that's a tough surname. 8 rubbish, it's fine. Yeah, he was, he was at the Rams, wasn't he? Yeah, Eight. I think and he was at Tennessee before that, if I remember yeah, rightly. Yeah. yeah, Uh Martavis Bryant's back from his suspension, and Justin Hunter as well. Uh, they've lost Lawrence Timmons, Jarvis Jones, D'Angelo Williams, Marcus Wheaton, and Ladarius Green. There's a couple of questions here. They've got a tag placed on Bell. They're apparently in discussions about about paying him, but whether that'll happen or not, we don't know. So we'll have to see what. Excuse me, how Bell performs under the tag, whether he's happy with it, whether they will actually try and minimise his role a little bit, or how how they'll use him. Basically, whether they think he's just going to be a one year before he's gone to someone else. They had some good defense performances last year, so can that? continue onwards. Uh they have maintained most of their most of their core for that. So uh it'll be interesting to see. And then uh obviously the the impact of uh Bryant coming coming back. So the numbers on him are very interesting that while he's on the field Bell averages or sorry, Brown averages I think something like thirty five or forty more yards per game when Mount Davis Bryant is on the field drawing uh, drawing coverage. So uh, that should be an interesting thing to look at. Like This was, a, was an offensive juggernaut at times last year, but then also like they had the, the, the playoff game with the, with the uh, Chiefs where they only scored field goals for the entire thing. So it can be boom or bust for them depending on how they play. I'm going to come to you first on this one, Ronan. Like, do you think this is a team that's going to perform as well on offense as it did last year, or do you think they're going to fall backwards a little bit?
1: I think the offense will be fine. I think, you know, when you have that triplet of Ben Rothsberger um Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, it's kind of hard to screw that up to be honest. Uh, <laughs> and there's been no major losses in terms of um in terms of the offensive line, so there's no reason to believe that in the trenches they'll be any worse off than they were last year. So, and then obviously the big X factor, as you mentioned, is Martavius Bryant. Like, uh, he has his, you know, idiosyncratic nature, but there's no denying that if you're talking about one of the elite deep threats in the league, Martavius Bryant is one of those. And he's not like one of the smaller ones, like Deshaun Jackson, he's actually a bit of a beast as well. It's just, he's kind of one of those players that makes defensive backs retreat. Uh, a few yards more, and I think that can make all the difference um like there are question marks on on the offense, like for example, who's going to play behind uh but be, play behind bell and tight end is very thin right now, I think jesse James is their tight end one that's not really uh we're talking good I think like I had them mocked a uh, tight end in, in our fan- like in our in our mock draft uh a few months ago, but mm. Uh, specifically because I think like they're really bad at tight end right now. But like uh, within that within that offense tight ends have never really been emphasized. Like we expected Lidarius Green to do stuff for a while and never really uh did anything. Uh, like the like the tight ends that they've generally had success with weren't kind of pass catching tight ends, they were more like, you know, gritty Gritty, uh, working class, blue collar tight ends who like caught the ball and then would like take five years to get to the end zone. That's kind of what they went to, and they tried something with a more Joker type thing, but it didn't really work out. But I think, like, I think, yeah, like this offense, it's really, really, really good. So I think the actual bigger question is whether the defense, which had a lot of growth last year, continues to build on that because they have a lot of talent, particularly in the linebacking core, is it because they keep drafting linebackers uh, <laughs> for whatever reason, and they've kept that up this year with TJ Watt. Uh, If that defense continues to ascend, that will be the difference between whether the Steelers will continue to be like this good like this good, definitely, playoff-level team, or whether we genuinely think that they can knock off the Patriots or knock off a team like the Chiefs uh, when, when they're an Arrowhead or something like that. Um, that's the kind of difference that they need to make, kind of remove that little bit of inconsistency that they keep having every year where they lose a few games that they shouldn't, and just get that next level. I think the defense would be the difference between whether that happens or not. Mm. So I have them going 12-4, uh, and four, which is good enough for the number two seed, and I think that home advantage could end up being very significant. Uh, but... You
0: know, I still think the Patriots will probably win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Harry, like, what do you, what do you make of this defense? We did see them flash a good bit last year, and obviously they they'd be hoping to be able to to, to continue that growth because I think I think Roland's right when he's saying that like this is an offense that you're very you're going to be happy with. You're going to just be your question mark is similar to what you're saying about the the good versus great Patriots teams of like it's if they can have a like above average to quite good defense that could make this a very terrifying team to be playing especially if you have to head on the road to them so like what's your expectations of their defensive core this year
2: I think, as Ronan says, the linebackers, we can't really ask any questions about. They've got a lot of very, very quick, very, very talented, with you know Shazier and Dupree and, and guys along that. Uh, the D-line is going to be, you know I think, hasn't really diminished at all, and they'll also be getting Cameron Hayward back, who spent, I uh, mm. think, the last half of last year on injured reserve, basically. And as much as their offensive philosophy has changed, as Ronan alluded to when he was talking about the Ravens, their defensive philosophy is still what it is, which is quick-moving, hard-hitting, and just difficult to play against. There are still, I think... Honestly, I think there's still concerns about the defensive backfield. Though we've seen guys, you know, like Artie Burns and Ross Cockrell come on and look good, talented young players. But this is a team that still doesn't really, it doesn't really have, you know, a shut down corner. It doesn't really have guys who can completely lock down and, and dominate games, and it doesn't have a Troy Polamalu anymore. And they've never really been able to replace that of having that sort of um, guy who can who can play as a box safety and so on. And mm-hmm. that. that's something that the Steelers have kind of been missing uh, from that and. So while they are still able to play very physical and play very hard on the back end, they are not as, just not as talented there as they are in the rest of their defense. And that, again, is what gets them exposed pretty much every single time they play the Patriots and other teams like that. That's why they, they beat them, is that they're just that they're, that's not quite at the level. And I, I don't think so. You might have guessed when I said he was rubbish. Cody Sensible is not going to fix that. And in <laughs> fact, the fact that you're signing Cody Sensible probably indicates that you don't have a lot of confidence in your backfield because he is he is not good. So I, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not sure I'm getting where assassinated on here. Yeah, so all right, I'm not sure where. Like, look, he's better than me. Mm. <laughs> I'm not so Yeah, I'm just not sure where that step up comes from. And without that, this isn't going to be one of the you know those truly great Steelers teams. This isn't going to be a Super Bowl team. This is just going to be another very 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 good team in the league. This is one of the probably one of the top four or five teams in the, in the AFC. I have their my prediction reflects that I have them going eleven and five, but. Right now, until they are able to either... Now, if their young guys continue to make the step in the backfield, that could definitely make the difference. But until that happens, or until they bring in a guy who can legitimately lock down number one receivers and legitimately take weapons completely out of the game in a way Mm -hmm. they're not able to... I don't think they're going to be uh, as good as the Patriots. I don't think they're going to be as good as the Raiders. I don't think they're going to be able to uh, neutralise, completely neutralise the better teams in the league. So yeah, this is definitely a playoff team. This is definitely a talented team. Mm-hmm. But there are just those one or two key parts away from being mm. elite at this stage. Yeah,
1: I think I think you've won a really good thing, which is um, there's, still, like, there's still kind of a question mark over who, like for this generation, like the new generation of players they brought to, who's who's the genuine leader there? Who is the who is the Polamalu Who is the person who yes. kind of... Harris at the a- moment, isn't
0: it? Really? Yeah. Yeah, but but he's ancient yeah that's
1: me that's what I was kind of saying for this generation like I think Shazier is probably the best candidate because he's like when he's on the when he's on the when he's on form he's just amazing but there's no one there to you kind of say that's the embodiment of the sealer's defense which is what they've usually had over the mm. over the years I think that's one of the biggest issues with him yeah uh, with that like really talented
0: group but mm. Beautiful. Uh, and I've got them going 10 and 6 uh, good enough for a wild card uh, because they lose the division on tiebreakers so uh, should be good also thank you I'd much rather this, <laughs> to have them coming on the road rather than going on the road to them <laughs> Jesus Christ um, but yeah so that wraps up the previews uh, so any cracker yourselves lads any plans in the next little while dying Fair enough. Dying now. <laughs> <A> <laughs> successful draft yesterday. Uh, it's like 16 Mad <laughs> League drafted like two months before the season starts. It's great. It is, a, it is a danger draft.
2: Mm. Yeah. We only had like
0: yeah. three off uh, off book selections as well,
2: didn't we? Three, you, three th- off the thing. Well, we had an expanded, so we normally only have 300 names. We had 350 mm. this year. Ah, fair enough, yeah. Um, we usually don't have that many. Um, mm. And to be honest with you, I don't think they've ever gone well. Yeah, the names that yeah. aren't on the draft sheet. <laughs> There's probably a reason. That I, recall the, I recall the likes of, below 300. I think the only ones that players. have ever really worked out relatively were, were kickers. Yeah. Um, I think right I, other I, I defenses, remember Other highlights you know, Like Kerwin Williams When he was a rookie And all this yeah. sort of stuff so <laughs> I think it was
1: often like Underrated defences That weren't on there But, that,
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but actual okay. good players In three skill positions. So. Three, three wide receivers Yeah Be interesting to see uh, At that point It's really just Fucking spray and pray Like oh, there's yeah. nothing <laughs> Oh yeah I found a gold Like a gold mine down here In the 15th round Of a 16 yeah. person draft Lee, like, running back Around there Yeah Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, that's good. So I suppose uh, we'll wrap up there. We'll have one more of these uh, before the season starts. So, uh, so it's goodbye from myself. Goodbye from Harry. So yeah. Goodbye from Roman. Bye. Uh, this has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks.